Nobody went through that? <laughs> if it were only that easy when it came to marriage and coming and uh, getting things ready and, and uh, getting ready to, um, to share. Uh, welcome. Good morning. Can I say good morning again? Good morning. Thank you so much. Well, I'm going to have you guys in here every Sunday that I speak, just so we got so many kind of get some feedback going on here. So, welcome. We trust uh, again that your experience so far here um, at Fairhaven has been a really good one uh, so far this morning. Um, you know what? Uh, on a personal level, this is kind of an exciting kind of day, kind of couple weeks um, for me personally. Uh, this will be the first time. Uh, since I've been here, in which I've been able to uh, just take like a whole three week or or series on on, on Sunday morning, and uh, I, I'm just really excited about that. We were sitting down and we were having breakfast, probably I think it was February or so one morning, and we're kind of looking over speaking schedule and just say, "Hey, Pastor, what did you think about me just taking three weeks instead of just one?" And and he said, "Yeah, let's go ahead and do it." And uh, and so I'm just really thankful for that, Pastor. I really appreciate. You being able to uh, allow me to do that, not too many uh, guys or associates can take a whole few weeks on a Sunday morning. So I really, really do uh, appreciate that. And, and then leading up to this, I, I was kind of contemplating there for a couple months as far as kind of what I wanted to share. And I said to myself, um, you know, should it be something on families? Uh, should it be something uh, on parenting uh, or maybe something else? And, and as I was thinking about that, I, I thought, you know what, let's just... Let's just go back to the beginning, probably to the core um, of all of this, kind of where it all begins. And it all begins with my marriage, and it begins with your marriage. Because one thing I've learned about this, especially as it relates to kids, that if it's not in me, it's not going to be in my kids. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be able to take my children someplace where I haven't been. And so we're going to, that kind of led me to the whole idea of going in this direction of marriage just for a few weeks. And and before I get started, I have to do something. I have to just kind of get it out of the way. I got to, I got to throw out to you like a little disclaimer real quick. And that's this. My marriage is not perfect. I I know I may shock you. Some of you won't shock. I know. Uh, But my marriage is so not perfect. But through God's word, I know the types of things I need to work on. And I I know how to work on those types of things because of his word. You know what? We're going to, for the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about marriage. Um, And if you you knew that, you might have had a conversation um, like this maybe last night or this morning with maybe with your with your spouse, maybe maybe you're sitting around the dinner table last night and you look over to your husband and you say, you know what? Tomorrow in church, they're going to talk about marriage, and I, and I just think it's going to be great. And he might have said something like, you know what? That does sound great. Why don't you go take notes for the both of us, <laughs> right? Why don't you just go ahead and take notes? Um, for the both of us. And so, so he said no, and you said why, and, and if I can, ladies, let me just kind of paint a picture a little bit here, maybe a word picture as to why, you know, us guys may think one way as compared to you when it comes to talking about a marriage. You know, we, ha- we sometimes, we think about marriage like the way you might think about a car. Let me, you guys are like, how's that work, right? Uh, you, 
I'm just guessing, many ladies, probably when it comes to a car, you just want it to work. Isn't that right? You don't want to know how it works. I mean, you just want it to work. Some of you ladies would probably rather just drive your car until it breaks down or trade in it for a new one before you even think about fixing it. I'm just, just a guess. Am I off or? Okay, I just want to make sure. So many of us, many of us do that. And, and so what happens is when you... When you're sitting around the table and, and you're, talking, you're talking about this and your wife says, you know what, I really, honey, I really think we need to talk. I really think we need to talk about our marriage. That sounds to him like this might sound to you. Maybe you've been through this. You've been, walking, you've been driving, down the, driving down the road in your car and all of a sudden your husband, shh, did you hear that? What are you talking oh, no, shh, shh, did you hear that? Yes, I heard that. So What? Turn up the radio. I mean, come on. Or maybe you get a new car, and it, every new car comes with a manual, doesn't it? Be like taking that manual and giving it over to your wife and saying, here, I want you to take a look at this. I want you to begin to understand it. And she's thinking, what do I need to understand it for? I mean, come on. Turn the key. Step on the gas. I mean, that's really all there is to it. What is it that I really need to understand? And so some of us, some of us guys, we kind of view marriage the same way, right? We don't want to work on it. Let's be honest. We just, we just want it to work, right? And it, it, as long as it's not broken, it sounds good. And so do we really have to, do we really, really have to talk about it? And, and, and this morning, guys, I hate to tell you, but the ladies are right. We do need to talk about it because the last thing we want it to do is we want it to break. We don't want it to break down, do we? And, and, and we certainly, certainly don't want don't to trade it in. So uh, for the next three, three weeks, I'm going to talk to you about uh, what I'd like to do is just talk about one slice kind of of marriage. Because, uh, and, and just really try to cover it well. Because when it comes to marriage, trying to get everything in in three weeks is just really tough. You know what I mean? So we're going to take, take one slice and, and we're going to just try to cover it really well. And we want you to come away at the end of these three weeks with something really practical that you can use um, in your marriage. So today I want to spend some time explaining the issue that we're going to talk about the next couple weeks, uh, and and hopefully so that the solution will make a little bit more sense when we get down uh, to the end. And then the other thing I want to address is this. I know sometimes we talk about marriage, and, and we might hear that, and some of our younger kids or high schoolers or college age kids, what marriage? Oh man, come on. Right? If you are in college or you are in high school, I'm really glad that you are here this morning as well. I really, really am. Uh, I believe um, that there is something that you're going to be able to gain these next couple weeks. You know, while us married people, while we sit here and we listen and and maybe feel guilty a little bit and, and we might have some homework as we leave today over the next couple weeks or over this week, you are not going to feel any guilt at all these next couple weeks. None. Absolutely none. And you can feel sorry maybe for us married people because of what we have to go through and, and uh, just kind of be glad that you're not there yet. Plus, the other thing that excites me about you being here this morning is that you can do marriage right the first time. 
So you can do it right the first time. While some of us here, we're going to have to regroup. You might be able to just kind of file this away in your mind so one day you will be able to use it. Here's the thing. Every one of us, when we come to marriage and we walk down the aisle, all of us come into our marriage with a box full of desires. Every one of us come into our marriage with dreams, wishes, desires of things that we want our marriage to be. For some of us, it might be, you know what, I imagine that one day, one day, we're going to live in a big old house. I'm not sure when that's going to happen. We might have to start off small, and then one day as we, we kind of move along, we'll be able to upgrade. But I imagine that one day we're going to live in a big old house, and it's got a backyard and, and a grill and a pool and all this stuff. And, we're going to, and that's what I imagine one day is going to happen. Or maybe, uh, maybe for some of you, uh, you dream of the day in which you're going to have kids, right? I'm, I, I, just, I, just, I could just see it. I dream. We're going to have one kid. We're going to have two kids. Or I imagine we're going to have four kids. Or you know, I imagine we're going to have no kids because there's tons of them already in the world. Um, um, we're going to wait two, uh, two years, five years. I don't know. But I, I just imagine what that's going to look like. Um, for some of you, you just have, you have an envision as far as how you're going to schedule your time. When it, comes to, when it comes to your marriage. You know, we're just going to, I just imagine we're going to spend all kinds of time together, and, and I just imagine that he's going to come home at 5.30 every night, and we're going to have dinner together, and I just imagine how the holidays are going to go. You know, he's going to get Christmas, I'm going to get Christmas, and his family's going to get Groundhog Day or something like that, but, but I just imagine how we're going to schedule our time together, and... Um, Maybe for some of you guys, you know, I just imagine what my wife is going to do when we get married. I just imagine when I come home and I look in my, my shirt drawer and it's going to be just all folded up and, and I'm never going to have piles of laundry laying around the house. I'm just, I'm just never going to have that happen because, you know, that's, that's how my mom was. And for some of you guys, you just envision... You just envision what your wife will not wear to bed at night, right? This is just, I mean, you just have it in your mind. You, you think it, and you ladies, you laugh a little bit, but the flip side is true. You just imagine that he's just going to love you no matter what you wear when you come. And for some of us, we even, we even just kind of imagine how we're going uh, to make money, how that's going to take place, you know, She's going to work, he's going to work, we're going to make this much, and, and this is how we're going to spend all of our money, and, and, and this is just, all this stuff, we just imagine that it's going to happen. And somewhere, somehow, this, this, this kind of happens along the way. Maybe it's, maybe it's because of the things we've watched on TV, maybe it's um, some of the books we've read, maybe it's, maybe it's even some of the sermons that we've heard. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's the house that we grew up in, or maybe it was a previous marriage that we were in. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm not sure how that happens. But one th- thing I'm sure about is that the center of it all is one big I. I just envision, I just imagine 
you know, I, I, can't be, I can't be at fault because I've never been in a marriage before. And then all of us, we just kind of come to marriage with, with one big eye. And, you know, somewhere along the way, whether, maybe, whether it was at, uh, maybe, whether it was, maybe it was at the altar, whether it was at our honeymoon, maybe it was two weeks later, maybe it was four weeks later, Somewhere along the line, something happened. Somehow, some way, subconsciously, the dynamics of our marriage start to change. And somehow, some way, we begin to take these desires, these natural desires that we have, and we begin to migrate them and transfer them over to a totally different category. And all those good desires that we have all of a sudden turn into expectations. I mean, come on. You're the husband. You're the wife. I mean, isn't that what wives are supposed to do? And we start to have those those questions and things kind of, the dynamics of our marriage begin to change. Because you know what? Now when you get married, guess what? There's no longer one eye. Guess what? There's two. There's two big eyes, and those big eyes eventually, they begin to collide. And when that happens, when they collide, there's really only a few different options that you have. And the first option that you have in marriage, when those big eyes begin to collide, is, is, um, is you could just leave. Okay? You can just leave. And I, you know, I should have said something earlier, and I'm going I'm to go ahead and back up real quickly. Um, today, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to paint a picture uh, of, a, of a situation that I think will make it easier th- when we go through the next couple weeks. So I'm just going to tell you something offhand that I, I don't know, maybe it might bother some of you. If, if, um, you know, if you didn't bring your Bible today, you're in luck because I'm not even going to use it today. And um, so we're going to do something else. And if you do... I like the Bible, and I love the Bible, by the way, don't let me get you wrong. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just not going to use it today. We're going to use it next week and the week after. Today, I just want to do more painting a scenario for you that I think will help a little bit more as we go forward. But my number one, or my first option that I have when these eyes begin to collide is I can, number one, I can just leave. You know what? They didn't do what I wanted them to do, and, and, and they didn't do what I expected, and, and Pastor Al, you know what? They're just... They're just not a good husband, and, and so because they didn't do what, what I expected, I'm just going to go ahead and leave. But do you know what the problem with that is? Is when you do that, what happens is you take that big box of desires or them expectations with you into that second marriage, and you just dump them again right on top of the other person. That's why for some of you, if you're in a second marriage, it might feel a little bit like your first one possibly. The other option I have, another option I have is when those eyes begin to collide is, is I could just conquer. You can conquer. You know, the stronger partner wins. You've seen this before. You know, whoever that dominant partner is in the marriage, you know what it is? You will do what I ask. You will do what I ask. And, and they continue to try to explain to you whether it's through nagging or through yelling or through threatening or whatever, what it, they explain to you what it means to be a good husband. But for that one spouse, it's extremely stressful 
because they're trying to be you and not be themselves. And that leads you to the third option that you might have. And that third option is you could just simply conform. You know what, honey? If that's what makes you happy, fine. You know what? If that's the way that your father did it, if that's the way your mother did it, fine. If that's what it's going to take for us to have a happy marriage, then you know what? Big white flag, I surrender. And again, this is extremely stressful because you know what? You were not made, or I was not made to be them, but we were made to be ourselves. So here's kind of my observation. I don't have a bunch of facts to back this up or nothing. But this whole idea of conforming, it might work for a while. It might work through your 30s, maybe in the early 40s, something like that. But then things kind of begin to break down a little bit. One of you thinks things are going great, and the other partner who's been trying so hard to measure up to your expectations physically and emotionally begins to wear down. And do you know what's wrong if either one, it's, if you're the one conforming or the, you're the one that's forcing the other party to conform? You know what's wrong with that? You still have a big I marriage. Now, there's another option, and this is probably the one that most of us will choose, and that is we're just going to compromise, right? We're just going to compromise. You do your part. I'll do mine. We'll, we'll split the bills. You'll play this, and, and, and I'll pay this. And again, we'll split the holidays, and we'll split our time together with our friends, and, and we've got it all nice and neatly. We've got it all scheduled out. But the problem still remains is it's still an I marriage. It's still an I marriage. I will, I will do what you ask of me if you will do what I have asked of you. It's an I marriage. And you want to know how you can tell if you're, if you're compromising, if you're living in a compromising marriage? You or your partner, maybe my, if you're at counseling or something like that, you might, say something, you might say something like this to the counselor. You know what? I am concerned about my marriage. I am concerned about the marriage. And the focus, and the focus of the passion is, is not the person, but it becomes... The marriage. And, and that's not a biblical view of marriage. Never in the Bible does it tell me that I need to commit to a marriage. Never tells me that. And I don't know about you, but I don't want my wife to be committed to the marriage. Right? I want her to be committed to me. The marriage is just a description. It's not the goal. And do you know what happens in a compromised marriage if it's, if, you know, if I will or, you know, if I, I will, if you will type thing? You know what happens? It's not a covenant marriage. You know what it's turned into? It's turned into a contract. And do you know what, and do you know what one of the first things are to go in a contract marriage? Romance, intimacy, all of that goes. Because when you were dating... And you just, you remember, some of us may have to think back, and we kind of remember, I got to think back sometimes too, but, but when we were dating, and we just, couldn't, we just couldn't get enough of each other, spending time around each other, things like that, you know what? It wasn't about a contract back then. And while compromise, you know, could be maybe a good first step, if you settle for a compromise, you will never experience what God has in store for your marriage. 
You know what? It's just another way of managing expectations. Now, there is, a, there is another option. You don't have to give in. You don't have to run away. You don't have to conquer. And we're going to talk about this in the next two weeks. But before I do, I just kind of want to frame this problem in, in, a, in a different way, in a way that's going to maybe kind of help us better understand the solution. For some of us, we've been feeling this, maybe this tension for quite some time now. Even, as, even after counseling, and, and we just ask ourselves, why? And the only thing we come up with sometimes is, you know what, it's, it's our spouse. You know, it's not necessarily us, but it's our spouse. And as long as we keep dumping our, our desires onto our spouse, and they just become expectations, here's, here's what I've noticed, all, all the good stuff of marriage just evaporates. It's just gone. And we move our our, our relationship from a covenant now to a debt-debtor relationship. Here's Here's why I say that. Another way of expressing an expectation is this. You owe me. You owe me. I mean, you're the husband. I mean, you're the wife. You're the provider. You owe me. Remember we stood at the altar and your parents were there and and, and and we play the God card and God was there and you said whatever it was. I'm just holding you to it. You owe me. And then your spouse, she kind of feels the same way thing, you, the same way too. You said the same things to her at well and you promised at the altar and now you know what? Now I'm just holding you to it. And here's the interesting thing. We could probably all build a very convincing case as to why they owe us. Maybe they promised. But as justified as we feel because of what was promised to us, you still end up in that debt-debtor relationship with your spouse. And when it turns to this, the intimacy, the romance, all the good stuff about marriage, it's gone. You see, in a debt-debtor relationship, here's the thing. There is no margin for unconditional love. There's no margin. For example, if you got the house, uh, that nice house that maybe you expected, that you dreamed about, that you wished for, that you talked about, and you finally get it, how much credit does your spouse really get? Or if you're financially secure and things have gone your way and and things, and um, just like you expected... How much credit does your spouse really get if that's what was expected? None, right? None, because you know what? That's what husbands do. That's what wives do. And you get none, and and now it's about congratulations. You know what? You're, You're up to par now. You're right there where you need to be, and you're doing what's expected of you. See, in a debt-debtor relationship, we squeeze out the potential for love because love is a gift. Love is a gift. So when, when things are expected, there's no room to give and to receive. Let me give you another example. Maybe you've had this happen to you before, too. I'm, I'm sorry, maybe you haven't. One thing that I've learned this last couple of years, I've, only owned, I've owned my first home now for about a year and a half is I have never, maybe you have, I'm guessing probably haven't, 
But maybe I, I have never received a long perfume-laced letter from my mortgage company. I never have. I've never received one that said, Al, just writing you today just to let you know I'm so, we are so thankful that the past year and a half now you've owned your, ho- your home and you know what, you've made every payment and not only that, but you've made it on time. And just to show our gratitude, we've enclosed a gift card for you to take your family out for dinner. You know, how about you, but I've never received anything like that because it's expected of me. As a matter of fact, you know what? The only time I ever get a letter from my mortgage company is what? When I miss a payment, right? Matter of fact, go ahead and miss a couple payments. You won't even get it. You won't just get a, a, a letter. Guess what? You'll get a call. You'll get a call too. And that'll happen. And, and, and this happens. But as long as, as I meet their expectations, everything is going to be fine. And you know what? Some of us may be here this morning... We feel the same way. We have been trying so hard to do what the other person expects, but there's not a lot of love that's taking place. And the moment you mess up, the moment you don't meet those expectations, you get special attention, but it's the, the negative type. Now, I want to be real with you for just a second, and I want to let you know about one of my many dysfunctions that I have, and that is this. I can drive home... Uh, after being at work all day, and I can drive up to the, in the driveway, and I can go in the front door, and you know what? 99% of my house can be just perfectly clean. My wife did a great job, but you know what I do? I find that one little thing, right? I do. I don't know why. That was left out, a toilet was left out on the floor, or a little thing over here that wasn't picked out, and, and, and I could do that. So when, when my wife doesn't work and she tries hard to have it all in order when I get home, I've got basically one of two different options. I can either desire a clean home or I can expect a clean home. If I desire it and it's clean, when I come home, I'm so grateful for what she did. But if I expect it, I don't even notice it. I don't even notice it. In fact, you know, again, what do, you know, what do I notice? That one little thing that's not where it should be. So no one gets credit. No one gets loved because they're basically all just trying to live up to my bar that I've set. Ladies, for some of you, when you were dating, again, you dreamed about that big old house your husband talked about one day or owning maybe his owning his one his own company and you and you walked down the aisle and you said I do and and then you transferred all those dreams into that expectation box and since then it's been when are we there yet I mean how much longer before we get that and for some of you there's there's discontent every time this subject comes up. And for some of you, your husbands, maybe, maybe they don't ever feel grateful. They feel as if you never appreciate how hard they work. And if, even if you were to say, you know what, Pastor Al? You know, we talked about this. Matter of fact, we didn't just talk about it, but we also agreed on it. Or, you know what, I feel like, I feel like he promised. Doesn't matter. Because he will always feel a little less, a little less, because a little desire migrated.
to an expectation. Listen real closely. You know, we can argue this morning all about the legitimacy of what's in that expectation box right over there. But as long as all that stuff is in the expectation box, you will live your marriage from the view, you owe me. And when you have two big eyes with the belief that you owe me, the romance, the intimacy, the community, all of that is gone. Because the opportunity to give, the opportunity to receive unconditional love goes down the drain. Now, behind those expectations, let's talk about this real quick. Here's the weird thing in all of this, okay? Here's the weird thing. So much of what starts off in that desire box right there are God-given desires. They're God-given desires. So much of those dreams that you talked about while you were dating, they were God-given desires. Let me give you a couple examples. I know that God has designed you, or me, like men, to be respected, that's the way he designed us. God designed you ladies to want to wanna be cherished by your husbands. God designs us to, wanna, to want companionship, to want uh, intimacy, to want acceptance, to want to be understood. God designed us to want to be taken care of. And these things stand behind many of the things that we have in that desire box. In that desire box. And again... When I take one of those desires and I put it on my wife and it becomes an expectation, I begin to relate to her as you owe me. Then it's no longer about experiencing love, but now it's about her living up to my expectations. So how do you know if your desires have become expectations? Real simple, two things. Expressions of gratitude and acts of service. Expressions of gratitude and acts of service. Expressions of gratitude. When we don't express gratitude for the things that we've become to expect. You know what, Pastor Al? That is just her job. That's what he does. Again, he's the husband. That's what he does. You know, why should I say thank you when he's just doing what he's supposed to be doing? Listen, your unwillingness to say thank you for the, those little everyday things shows that you have moved things from the desire box over into the expectation box. Ladies, if you're a, you're a, if you're a stay-at-home mom and that, was, and that was your desire to be a stay-at-home mom, that was your desire, I'd encourage you, don't pass up a day to thank your husband for making one of your dreams come true. Guys, if you've got a wife and, and she's just amazing, I mean, she gets things done, and, and that's just for you, that's just great. You know, tell her thank you. Tell her thank you. Don't fall into that, that debt, that debtor relationship, because again, you will never experience that unconditional love. And, and then the other one is, uh, is, is acts of service. What I'm talking about here, again, for example, you come home, guys, you come home and, and you go inside and, and you walk by a big pile of laundry on the floor or you go by the kitchen sink and you see a big pile of dishes and you think to yourself, she'll get it. You know, she'll take care of it. And you know what? You can live here if you want, 
But if things get weird at home and you just can't put your finger on, things are wrong and, and the counselor's not able to help, you know, it's real simple. You have allowed legitimate desires to become expectations and it's begun to erode your marriage. As I close this morning, I want you just to take a few moments with me and I want you to imagine this morning how different your marriage could be. Dream with me just for a minute. Imagine a marriage where everything in the expectation box would just stay in that desire box. That all the dreams, all the wishes, all the desires would simply stay right there. See, here's what it means. At any point in your marriage, when you are able to make one of those dreams come true for your spouse, you know what? It'll begin to feel like love. Imagine a marriage that was built on fulfilling the desires and the dreams of the person you married rather than trying to live up to their expectations. It would be a completely different dynamic, wouldn't it? A different experience. Again, the desires fuel the intimacy, but the expectations erode the marriage. In that desire box, we have a covenant. I will, even if you won't. But in that expectation box, we have a contract. I will, if you will. Now, how do you, but how do you totally get rid of all that stuff in that desire box? I mean, should I? I mean, I think it's kind of a little bit unrealistic, probably even a little bit unhealthy to get rid of all of it. But it is possible, and it begins with, with the answer to this one question. And we're gonna, I'm going to leave you with this question today, and we're going to give you a card on your way out. The ushers are going to give you a little card. It looks like this. And on that card, uh, there are three passages of Scripture. Matter of fact, one of them is our memory verse from, from last month, so you should be real good with that. But we're going to give you that card with a couple passages of Scripture on it. And, and, and so what I want you to do is I want you to think about this question I'm going to give you. I'm going to, I want you to think about it over and over and over again this week. And as you think about it, I want you to think about it in relationship to these three verses or one of these verses. Because the question, this question is going to set us up for the transition for next week when we come back together. Here's the question. What does your spouse owe you? Husbands, what does your wife owe you? Ladies, what does your husband owe you? From your opinion, from what you've learned, what you've believed, what do they owe you? And your answer to that question will tell you what's in that box, what's in that expectation box. What does my spouse owe me? Because here's the thing, if we don't know what's in that box, you won't know what to do next to move that back from the expectation box, back into that desire box. Again, my hope is by sharing this with some of you, it will give you some opportunities to talk about this today, this week. I know sometimes 
even when I'm sitting here and I'm putting this together and I'm saying, okay, now I've got to talk with Lana about this. Ooh, it's going to be a little uncomfortable. I know that. I said at the beginning, my marriage is far from perfect. Some of you, though, are probably pretty excited to talk about it on the way home, but others of us are probably cringing a little bit. I know. But I just want to encourage you. Take some time. Ask that question. Look at it in relationship to those verses. And that will help us out as we move forward next week. Would you pray with me? God, I again, God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for marriage. Thank you so much for putting that person, that, that husband, that wife into my life to be my partner. And God, I thank you for the many desires and dreams that you've put into our, into our, into our lives and, and, and it's now into uh, our, uh, our, our, our marriage that we've talked about. I thank you for those things. But God, I just ask for your help and how to manage those. That we really, that really would, they would just say desires, and, and then we could work on, as couples, to make each other's dreams and desires come true. That it would not be about expectations, and suck out all the possibility for unconditional love to be shared between each one of us. I pray as we move forward today and this week, that you will help us to find the time husbands and wives, to take just a couple minutes to look at some of these verses, to begin to talk and engage over this one question about what we believe the other person owes us. And I pray that we would have some great conversations. God, again, I just, I just want to just thank you for today, and I want to ask you again for your blessing upon every person, every marriage that is here today, Be with us as we go throughout our week. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.